He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. And we're the number one show at night. And this is a TriCast on WABCRadio.com, 770 on your dial. And uh, WLIR Long Island and a 970 The Answer. Uh, we have a great show for you today. And in the studio with us, we have Tony Carbonetti, the former chief of staff of Rudy Giuliani. And maybe you'll, you'll give us an update on Rudy's condition. And, and is he out of the hospital yet, uh, Tony? I, I spoke to Maria. Uh, she sent me a text saying he was out of the hospital and doing well. That is wonderful. He did his show today, John. That is wonderful. He did his show. He said he he said nothing was going to stop him. He was literally joking around. He said they're putting in the last stitch, and here we go. Yeah, I'm ready to go him, on the it air. Took him, it took him a day, a day and a, a two days to get out. I got out in the afternoon. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Ed Cox, uh, ten years, the uh, the chairman of the GOP in uh, New York State, and and my sidekick. It keeps kicking me. That's it. Lydia Serrani. Lydia, we have one great show, right? Absolutely. We'll be speaking with Dr. Mark Siegel. We'll also be speaking with Reverend Sam Rodriguez Jr. about the Hispanic vote and Christians. Senator Alphonse D'Amato, he's, you know, I know he, he holds back a lot, but he's, we're going to get him fired up today. And we'll also be speaking with Ernie Priot. He is the former Pennsylvania Attorney General. He'll be talking about the governor's race in, in Pennsylvania. But first on the line, we have the former NYPD Commissioner, Bill Bratton. He's basically a legend when it comes to law enforcement. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Commissioner Bratton. It's good to be back with all of you. Well, there's so many things happening uh, in our city, our state, our country. Where do, where do you want to begin? <laughs> Don't you wish it were different with it? Don't you wish we didn't have anything to talk about? Bill Bratton, uh, we're going to take our city back. This is going to be the city that me and you love. John, John I had the honor of being the, the kid in the room and watching Commissioner Bratton, and Jack Maple, and Mayor Giuliani attack crime. The commissioner would go, and, and Jack Maple would, and the rest of the deputy commissioners would devise a strategy. They'd brief the mayor, and then they would go make it happen. Commissioner, why are we not doing that anymore? Well, I think a lot of the underpinnings that we had to stand on back in the 90s are no longer there, that uh, many of the laws that we could work with, many of the ordinances are now gone. That uh, And uh, you compound that with something that's been discussed on this show frequently. Um, district attorneys who now are more interested in representing uh, the defendants than they are the victims is another compounding problem. So uh, change in a lot of the laws, uh, most recently the disastrous bail reform, criminal justice reform, which is still the principal cause, I believe, of the crime we're experiencing and the crime increases we're experiencing. So to fix this, it's, uh, it's going to be a long haul. There's, there's no quick fix. Back in the 90s, we had quick fixes because everybody was aligned to do something about crime. The mayor, the judges, the uh, district attorneys, the legislature, the city council, everybody was uh, singing from the same sheet music. Now we have basically the Tower of Babel. Everybody is talking past each other. Uh, commissioner, if we took, uh, as the current, current current commissioner said, if we took those 3,000 violent criminals that are in the streets in New York and just put them away in Rikers, won't that clean up 
most of the problem for the time being? John, that would solve an awful lot of it, but uh, what you're pointing out uh, is part of the, the, the problem. Uh, the uh, mayor the other day was celebrating, and justifiably, that a record number of gun seizures. Uh, however, he didn't finish uh, the story. What happens to the people who were arrested carrying those guns? Most of them are still out in the street. Uh, the courts are still terribly backed up uh, with a several-year backup on trials and hearings. Uh, Judge Grasso is leading an initiative uh, with some success to try and clear up that backlog. But as fast as they're dealing with the backlog, the new arrests are coming through the door. So uh, you have to look at these things in their totality. You can't just look at the input. You have to look at the output. And the output right now in terms of trials and people going to jail for gun-related cases is uh, the system is still broken. And, so uh, if we came out with – if the mayor was capable of coming out with an executive order, if you get caught with a gun, you go to jail for one year minimum. That's a law in the books. I know. Uh, yeah, I, if you're convic- it's just not enforced. If you're, no, no. If you're convicted. If you ha- if you ha- it's just not hey, enforced. All, all we have to do is take, have the, the, the uh, police officer take a picture of the guy with the gun in his hand. Com- Commissioner uh, Bratton. She, 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 she just raised a significant point. You have to be convicted, and to be convicted, you have to be tried. To be tried, you have to be indicted. And right. thus lies the crux of the problem. District attorneys who are trying to find alternatives to indictments, courts that can't basically conduct enough trials to deal with the rapidly growing gun problem. So we're in this uh, expanding dilemma. Uh, it is not, uh, we, you know, it's nice to celebrate getting more guns off the street, but uh, that just means there's a lot more guns on the street. I want to get the criminals off the streets. I don't give a darn about those guns. I mean, we get the criminals off the streets. Guns don't shoot themselves. It's criminals that shoot the guns. Well, again, it's the deficiency of the laws our legislature passed. This past week, they've been celebrating all the new uh, gun laws that are passing up in Albany as a result of the disastrous Supreme Court decision, the uh, ability to carry concealed weapons. But a major omission in that uh, set of laws is so many places are now going to restrict your ability to take a gun into the, uh, the those locations. Uh, restaurants are talking about it, Madison Square Garden, Yankee Stadium. Uh, so people who are going to start carrying those concealed weapons are going to find they can't get them into a lot of locations. They're going to have metal detectors. What are they going to do with those guns? Uh, they're going to leave home with them. They're going to have them in the car with them. Uh, and they're going to leave the gun in the car. There's evidently some uh, new law that's been passed that they have to basically unload the weapon. They have to conceal the weapon in the car. But the thieves are going to know around Yankee Stadium, around Madison Square Garden, a lot of cars are going to have guns in them. Why? Because basically people can't take them into those locations. So there's a, a well-intended effort that has a gigantic loophole in it in the sense of it's still not discouraging people from carrying guns because it gives them an alternative as to what to do with that gun when they can't take it into a public place. Commissioner Ed, Ed Cox here. Is it, why is it that the, is there a reason that the cities with the strictest gun laws uh, have uh, the most use of gun in crimes and the highest crime figures? Is there the gun laws just are badly crafted or are so strict no, that are, prosecutors don't want to don't want to uh, prosecute them? Is there a reason for it? New York, Boston, Los Angeles cities that I have uh, extensive experience with had some of the toughest gun laws in America. Uh, and we put people in jail for carrying those guns. But in the last several years, with a uh, progressive left DAs 
with uh, World Progressive uh, uh, Assemblies in Massachusetts, in California, in Los Angeles City Council, New York, Boston. Uh, something that worked for 30 years to keep gun violence at a minimum, and particularly the last 25 years after we broke the back of it back in the mid-90s, uh, the change in laws uh, just opened up the floodgates once again. Well, Commissioner. Uh, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is a secret. This is well-known. Yeah, it, it's what you said earlier. In, in the mid-90s, when your officers were arresting people with an illegal gun, there was a 94% chance they did jail time. Today, it's less than 10%. Because the DAs aren't prosecuting them. Well, the DAs are also struggling with discovery process. They're inundated with paperwork, and that was part of the whole bail reform they're package. Finding excuses right, Commissioner not Brighton? to prosecute them. Well, it, it's, it's also, and they're leaving in droves because their hands have also been tied. Well, you need a strong point, uh, governor. Whoever, this, whoever the governor is, you need a strong governor to, to kick those DAs out. If they're not going to do their job, the hell with them. Well, in fairness to the DAs, who I criticize a number of them, particularly Mr. Bragg and some of the others, uh, what she just pointed out is correct. The uh, bail reform laws had phenomenal negative impact on the ability of the district attorneys to prosecute cases because it put uh, unfair time limit burdens on them where they have to produce all the evidence for the criminal defense attorneys within like a 15-day period of time. If they can't do that, which they can't in most cases, they then have to file all types of petitions in front of the court asking for extensions, additional paperwork. So a lot of the reasons a lot of these young people are leaving what were once sought after positions of prestige is that the workload has become so phenomenal and there's no satisfaction because nobody's being tried even after they basically go through that, all those hoops to get them in front of a jury because there are no juries sitting or very few juries sitting. Isn't it also a problem if you produce your witnesses too early that they can be threatened in the process and not show up? That is a concern. I've not seen anything. It's too early, and I think, in the process to have actually done a study to evaluate that. Uh, I've not heard much uh, in the media, or for that matter, from my colleagues in, uh, in policing. That was a concern, is a concern, but whether or not that is actually translated into that threat uh, being made in significant, significant numbers. I, I don't have an answer for that. Commissioner Bratton, I have a question regarding young people. We keep hearing about these teenagers with guns. D.A. Gonzalez of Brooklyn, he was here in studio yesterday, and he said that on the streets, the gang members call those young kids pocketbooks because that's what their job is, to literally carry the guns for the gang members. We heard about a 14-year-old who shot at two NYPD cops. A 17-year-old was arrested in Newark for shooting that hurt nine people. I mean, in Philly, we saw two police officers uh, that were shot at over and over again. And we now know because of the bail reform, these kids are just being allowed to, to go free when essentially they're gun mules. Commissioner Bratt, how do we get it through the legislators' heads that we're not helping these children by allowing them to simply go free? We're just enabling the gang members to continue to use them. Well, once again, with your comments, you're hitting the nail on the head. The way that so many of these legislators look at it is the fact that they feel that these young people were going to be burdened for the rest of their life with a criminal conviction. So they changed the law to raise it to age 18. So these kids go into family court where effectively nothing is going to happen to them, so they will not have a criminal record that might preclude them from getting a job or getting public housing or getting some type of public assistance down the line. Well-intended efforts, but who's benefiting it? 
the criminals by and large, and they're, they're not saving lives that, that, that based on the death toll in the city and the shooting injuries, they are creating a lot of loss of life. Uh, I can't figure it out in terms of the mentality of the legislators that are creating this mess, but what the public needs to understand, this mess was created totally, totally by politicians that mm -hmm. like to blame it on COVID, which was a significant influence on what they had already created back in 2019. So this mess is uh, all politically correct, created, most of it in Albany, and some of it here in New York and City Hall. Judge Weinberg, do you have a question for Commissioner Bratton? Commissioner, if you could speak to the, uh, the leaders of the legislature and give them a three-point program, what would you tell them to do? Effectively, uh, take a close look at the chaos and the mayhem and the loss of life that they have created and fix it. And one of the ways to go about fixing it is to reform the reforms that have been so catastrophic. Listen to the district attorneys. Listen to the judges. As many problems as we have with DAs and judges, that uh, because it's, let's face it, that uh, no institution is perfect, that they will tell the problems that they are experiencing as a result of these reforms and the impact it's having on their communities, that the impact of, of lost lives, the impact of neighborhoods once again being destroyed. Uh, it is, uh, I, I, I just cannot get over how quickly the legislature disassembled 25 years of making New York the safest large city in America. And it was in 2018. And they, they just screwed it up in, in record time. Commissioner, I, the, New York City, the New York City went from 2,300 murders down to a little over 600 in the eight years under Giuliani, and then 600 and change down to 300 and change in the following 12 years. Where does it have to go before people say enough is enough? Because it was proactive policing, correct, Commissioner Bratton? This is Lydia Serrani. The bottom line well, is we have handcuffed our, our, our police officers. We've handcuffed the district attorneys that actually want to do their jobs. We know where the guns are. We know who has the guns, but they can't. We're not even allowing the police officers to do their jobs. And then they're afraid if they do do their jobs, they could lose their pensions. They can lose their homes because they also got rid of qualified immunity. Well, there's another aspect of this issue the nypd for the first time uh in decades is having trouble recruiting they just graduated a class of 500 some odd that class uh is nowhere sufficient to meet the retirements and people uh basically resigning from the department uh mayor adams was not able to get, get an increase in the size of the department with the city council didn't try to get an increase because he knew that the progressive wing of that city council, which is 32 of its 51 members, under no circumstance would support more money for more cops. So effectively, the department is uh, growing smaller, not getting larger. They're going to offset that with use of overtime, but the overtime becomes another problem because officers make so much on overtime this year that a lot of them are going to retire next year because their pension is based on their last couple of years of salary plus overtime. So they're going to make a lot of overtime and they're going to be very frustrated with the way things are going. They're going to bail out. So I predict a crisis in terms of manpower over the next several years because this city council just will not approve additional police officers. I had a progressive city council under Mayor de Blasio. What was the first thing they did in 2014? 
they wanted to hire a thousand more cops. So how quickly the progressive uh, uh, wing has turned on the police department. They wanted more cops in 2014 because they understood the importance of them. Meanwhile, this cast of characters in the city council today, I don't know where they all came from, that uh, that they they will not support more police. In fact, uh, there was, was begrudgingly, they gave a little more money to the police department for overtime, but overtime is not the panacea. Uh, in, Commissioner, in some respects, it actually causes more of a problem. Yep. Uh, Commissioner, we have one minute left. What do you want to tell New Yorkers? Uh, it is still a great city. It has uh, declined dramatically. I would argue in some respects it is still declining. Uh, mayor is trying, that, uh, uh, basically uh, it, it, uh, the deck is stacked against them. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is. That, it is. Uh, get, yep. Who are his allies? That, that We've talked about this now in the last 15 minutes. He has no allies that uh, are capable of correcting uh, what is wrong with the city. Uh, so it's going to, I think, unfortunately, we'll see what the summer looks like and when, as we roll into the fall. It'll probably have to get even worse than it is. And right now it's pretty bad. Well, Commissioner Bratton, thank you for everything you've done and continue to speak out for all New Yorkers. Thank you so much, and we'll catch up again real soon. Always good to be with all of you. All thank, you. thank you. And now we have on the line Ernie Priot, and he is the former Pennsylvania Attorney General. Uh, welcome, Attorney General, to Cats at Night. It's a pleasure to be with you. Ernie Priot, uh, you were Attorney General just a few years back, uh, uh, the world has changed. Tell us about Pennsylvania the way it was when you were attorney general just a few years back, and what the heck well, is was, going on now? Uh, 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 John, as you know, I know I was the district attorney here in Scranton, Lackawanna County for uh, about 12 years, and I specialized in homicide prosecutions, prosecuting myself. I got five death penalties. Uh, then I became the, the, the state's attorney general, elected twice in the 1990s, and uh, um, it's been, it's, it was totally different uh, than it is right now. The police were respected then. The police are not respected now. You have people running for office that say defund the police. You have people that throw the police under the bus. Uh, it, it's ridiculous the way uh, the law enforcement is treated today as it was. It uh, wasn't that way 40 years, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, now, the biggest problem that I see uh, right now is that we have a, a, a a populace that is divided. They don't know whether to trust the police or to trust the the the, the people out there, the politicians who who are, are are wanting to defund the police, to blame the police for everything. Always somebody else's fault. But uh, right now, uh, crime is a major issue in Pennsylvania. Uh, inflation, gas prices, major issue in Pennsylvania. And the two candidates running could not be any more diametrically different. Josh Shapiro, the, the current attorney general, who's never tried a single criminal case, as far as I know, uh, and has and got a, not a very stellar record as a prosecutor. He's allowed, for example, the district attorney of Philadelphia, uh, a, a Soros-backed candidate, to basically do away with murder prosecutions. Uh, it's ridiculous that, that we're now seeing cops get shot in the city of Philadelphia, people shot on South Street, and, and, and nothing is being done. How many uh, uh, black and uh, brown kids are being killed in, in Philadelphia because of that district attorney? Well, that, you know, Philadelphia is a, a city that is, has a significant uh, uh, black and Hispanic population. 
and and the, the the vast majority of people are being killed are black and Hispanic. That's right. Uh, and uh, and police officers are, are are they're certainly in the ranks of blacks and Hispanics in the police department, but uh, they're not shown any respect because they're not being treated with respect from the mayor, Mayor Kinney, who uh, Mehmet Oz, the candidate for Senate, just called today for him to resign in light of his disrespect to the police who got shot on uh, the, nearly on the steps of the Rocky Balboa statute over the 4th of July. Uh, uh, the, the district attorney, uh, he has not done anything except to open the doors of the prisons to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to criminals and uh, have a, a no-bail policy. Uh, it's the same in New York. Uh, the same in all these big cities across America. Uh, we have we have district attorneys, Soros-funded district attorneys that don't believe in law and order. And 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 the 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 the, the fact is that the the, the people who are suffering are the people who are living in those cities, and most of them are people of color. Ernie Priat, we're this is Lydia Serrano. We're also hearing about incidents where people are attacking police officers. Fireworks are thrown at them. Oh, we heard a story about somebody throwing it into a patrol car, uh, some sort of like firework with the nails, so then it would explode and injure. And what what are the repercussions to these people? What are the repercussions? We heard about those two lawyers here in New York City during the BLM riots that they threw Molotov cocktails inside of a police car. I, I Like you said, when I was growing up, I'm not that old, we used to wave at the cops. And we love seeing the cops. And now it's just the, the lack of respect. And it comes from our Democratic leaders. Well, the leadership begins at the top. Uh, I have to say that. You don't have a district attorney and you don't have an attorney general that are out there supporting the police. Uh, you're, you're not going to have respect on the streets from from the from the gangsters and the thugs and the drug dealers and the and the criminals. So right now we have a race in Pennsylvania um, that's between Doug Mastriano, who's a certified war hero, uh, was a colonel in the army, served in Afghanistan uh, and served in Desert Storm. Uh, was a, a professor at the War College, and, and people don't realize that this man's got a Ph.D. and four master's degrees. He is a leader among leaders. He teaches people how to lead in the Army War College at Carlisle, and he's running for governor. And people have written him off, John, and folks, they say, oh, he's not, he's not going to be a strong candidate. Well, guess what? He won 44 percent of the vote in the primary, but far and away the most popular candidate. And in the polls right now, he's almost dead even with uh, Josh Shapiro. Josh Shapiro has thrown $10 million in negative ads at him, and it's hardly made a dent. The fact of the matter is, Doug Mastriano has got a solid base of support. And don't you forget that. Anybody telling you, oh, it's going to be a walk-in for Shapiro, Josh Shapiro, it's not going to happen. So who are the uh, – I understand there were some GOP people that were supporting him. Uh, Josh Shapiro, yeah, who are the GOP people supporting him? Well, they, they were never Trumpers to begin with, John. You know some of them. They were never Trumpers to begin with, and so because Doug is a supporter of Trump, they're not going to be a, they're not going to be a, a, a for Doug Mastriano, uh, and and they, and they were pro-choice. They're 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 they were always pro-choice, and Doug is strongly pro-life. He believes in the sanctity of human life. Speaking, you know, I mean we're. Speaking about pro 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 life, uh, General, they you tried one of the famous cases, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, thirty years ago that presaged the Dobbs decision that was just made by the Supreme Court. Tell us about that case. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I I, I was uh, 
I argued in that in the Supreme Court for Governor Casey, a Democrat governor who was sued by Planned Parenthood. The governor asked me to, as a bipartisan step, to argue for the pro-life issues. So we took two positions. One, we're going to ask for the overturning of Roe versus Wade because it's not in the Constitution, nowhere written, nowhere implied. Secondly, he said, if you believe that there's a right in the federal Constitution, then we've got to come up with a new standard called the undue burden, whether the statute puts a burden on the exercise of the right. The seven to two majority of the Supreme Court bought that idea. They, they did not overturn Roe at that time, but that was the first step in the weakening of Roe. That essentially, the Casey case gutted Roe. The Dobbs case finished it off. Uh, and it did what we always asked for. That means that the states get to do what it is they want to do in, on the issue of abortion. In New York, they said, okay, you can have abortion up until the moment of birth. In Pennsylvania, abortion is still legal. It's still legal. It hasn't disappeared. In some other states, it has disappeared. But that's the, the beauty of a democratic government, a, rep, a representative government. Each state gets to pick what it wants to do on certain issues, like guns or abortion or something else. Uh, you, you find that happening all the time. So the Supreme Court did the right thing in saying, look, we don't want to be in the abortion decision business. That's got to be up to the elected representatives in the state capitals uh, uh, around. The, and that's what Doug Mastriano is saying. Let's leave it up to the legislature. There's a new legislature coming in in January. Let's leave it up to them to write a new law. Who knows what it's going to look like? I don't know. The, 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 the Republicans have slight majorities in both houses in Pennsylvania. But the fact of the matter is that uh, we don't know what the new legislature is going to look like uh, come January. Ernie Priot, thank you for everything you've done for Pennsylvania and continue to speak out for Pennsylvania. God bless you and God bless the people of Pennsylvania. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're coming back with Senator Alphonse D'Amato, and he is mad as heck on what's going on in our country, in our city, in our state, and uh, let's go to break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome we're- back. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. We got a lot of passion in this room and on the line. We spoke to Bill Bratton, then we spoke to Ernie Priot, and we'll also be speaking with Reverend Sam Rodriguez, Dr. Mark Siegel, but first on the line, Senator Alphonse D'Amato. And I like to say it because it's true. The best senator we ever had in New York State, maybe even the country. Senator D'Amato, how are you, sir? Good, but you're being much too kind. We have had great senators in New York. I served as one of the, the greatest, Pat Moynihan, and he was in another party when it came to doing the business of the people in New York. He put politics aside. Well, he, Senator Ed Cox here, he was of another party, but he served a Republican president very effectively. He he was fabulous. He was fabulous, and it was a great honor and a privilege for me to work with him. And now we have this bitter partisanship, and and it's sad, and it really is sad, because we should be working across aisles together for this country. Uh, but instead, uh, we have things going on that I never dreamed of. And, 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 you know, I've been complaining about this business of the open borders, 
of the criminals coming over, of, of, of the drugs that are killing 100,000 people of, a year coming over from China that are smuggled into this country. And, and we do not a damn thing in terms of stopping if on the federal side. Uh, it, it is incredible. And so today, when, when I read that the Department of Justice, the attorney general and his political hacks are suing Arizona. Do you know why? You're suing the state of Arizona because they had the temerity, the state, to say, hey, uh, you must be a citizen to vote for president. Oh, my God. How dare they? I mean, can you you believe this? How dare they? What the hell is going on? (laughs) So I, I tell you, it's part of their overall plan. You bring in millions of people. They don't have to prove that they're citizens, and they can vote for the president. They can vote in federal elections. And these son of They're bringing some more. If they need more votes, they're bringing more from Central America. They're using our taxpayer dollars because Arizona wanted to enforce the law. That's right. They wanted to enforce a law that said you must be a citizen in order to vote in a federal election, in order to vote for the president. And my God, I was brought up believing that you had to be a U.S. citizen in order to vote. And, 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 this is criminal. And it, and who's bringing it about? Mr. Biden, Joe Biden, and his Your best man department. at your wedding. Well, that's right. And, and the at the man. courthouse dedication. And uh, the fact is oh that, that Joe Joe has lost his way. He's being run by the left wing and his wife. I and think I it, think she's the, it might be worse than that. Uh, Alphonse Tobato... Nobody can be that dumb. Is he protecting somebody? Well, sure, he's protecting his son. You know that. They were in cahoots together. And and let me tell you, this big former idiot president, and I say idiot president, who lost the election, he lost it because who did he have? He had Rudy Giuliani running around screaming and, 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 and working, and he set him up. When Julie went, Annie went over to the Ukraine, he set the president up, and, and he didn't have to do that. They had the proof. Oh and you know what the proof was? The proof was Joe Biden, as vice president, going over to the Ukraine and saying to the Ukrainian president, I'm leaving in six hours. I will be on the plane, and the billion dollars in aid that I had with me will be going unless you fire the property. He was canceling it. That was the beginning of the cancel culture. He was canceling the billion dollars they were giving to Ukraine if they didn't fire the prosecutor after his son. That's right. And, And that's all they needed to do was to show that film. And it was a film where where the former vice president, he was no longer the vice president, was that was bragging bragging about it that's all you had to do but you had this idiot and by the way he is an idiot and he's no good and i put him in office he begged i don't know why you hold back senator U.S. attorney i made it and i'm talking about rudy giuliani and i'll tell you something else Ouch. and nobody said a damn word about it when george pataki ran for governor who came out 
and campaigned against him and flew around the state three weeks before the election. Rudy Giuliani. Do you remember that? I remember it. And Kasha, I remember it. Wait, wait. It was my airplane. <laughs> John's airplane. Your but, airplane. But you know what oh, the result was? Uh, but Senator, you know what the result was? Upstate, upstate for, turned for out Cuomo. in droves. Yeah, he campaigned, he campaigned for Cuomo. Amazing. A great Republican. Bullshit. S- now let me tell S- you this. S- S- Senator. He did do a good job. As mayor, he did. But Senator, he, it's it's Tony he, Carbonetti. Hold on, he, 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 Tony Carbonetti. He, 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 he did a great job. He did a great job as mayor. I know you guys what have had a history for a long time. Um, what, you, yeah, what kind of history? Kind a, of a, history? a very troubled he history, asked me Senator. For the job as U.S. Attorney, I recommended him against my committee's judgment. Now, let me say this to you: who who had him? This great Republican campaigning for Cuomo. Why did he do that? Do you know why? Because, because Susan Molinari wanted to run. He wanted to be bullshit. Guy went to you. Guy went to you and said Susan wanted to run. Don't you interrupt me. I Don't interrupt me. Okay, Senator. He wanted to be the, let me finish. He wanted to be the number one Republican. He didn't want there to be a Republican governor because as the mayor, he would be the number one. And he didn't want to lose that. And so he campaigned against Pataki. So I don't think he was a great Republican. Now, I said he did a good job as mayor. I never took that away from him. Well, be nice to people who just came out of the hospital. He's responsible for Trump. He gave him bad advice. He went to the Ukraine with two crooks. Okay? The Ukrainian president himself said when these guys came over and started making propositions, he lost all respect for him. And, of course, he hurt Trump. Trump should have won that election. But it's his fault. He climbed in bed with a devious son of a gun. And he deserves everything he's gotten. He's a bad guy. Oh, boy. Now, when he went and campaigned for Cuomo against Pataki in 94, in the last moments of that campaign, didn't Upstate turn out in droves to support Pataki? Didn't it backfire on him? Senator? So what? What, are we going to give him a good a message for that? No, no. Is but that, that was the a result, wasn't it? First, let me tell you what happened, okay? When he first came out, uh, uh, Pataki's polls dropped 15%. And yes. from what was a sure win, we got into a thing that we were trailing. And at the end, the last week, we came back and caught up on it. The stab so in the back speeches. Do- I understand. I remember them well. Now, okay. S- S- Senator, didn't Susan Molinari want to run for that seat? And Guy oh, went to see you? No, 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 no. That had nothing to do with Susan Molinari. There were a lot of people who wanted to run for it. And, and there was one other very prominent Republican who did not want um, um, a Republican to become governor because he would be undercut, and that was the former uh, leader of the state senate. I'm not going to even mention his name, and um, he was not supportive and tried to stop Pataki in the Republican convention because he knew that Pataki could win, and Pataki was a terrific governor, three terms. We had security. Pataki had, was an excellent governor. I, I agree with that. Did a great job. 
Um, he, he ran the state the way the state should run. He was not a partisan. He was fair. He was good. And he and wasn't we, campaigning we, we all agree. Uh, Senator D'Amato, we got one minute left. You got last word. <laughs> last word, I say, I think that we should now point out why the Democrats and this president is pushing all these aliens over the border so that they can vote in elections. And he has his Justice Department saying you can't ask if they're citizens. I mean, incredible. Don't ask for proof of citizenship. He actually started a lawsuit. Against that, Arizona, that borders Wake that, up everybody. That, this borders the word uh, treason. I hate to say that. Well, it is treason. Yeah. It is treason. And, it, and by the way, you yes. mean to tell me that we'll have people who are not citizens, people who come from all over the world coming in, and they'll be able to vote in federal elections? Yeah, they're going to vote for in favor of a president that's good to the, their own country, not good for the United States of America. Thank you so much, Alphonse D'Amato, and God bless you, and, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. All right, guys. Let's, Bye let's, now. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have Reverend uh, uh, Sam, Sam Rodriguez. He's going to talk about how do the Latinos in our country, which is a large part of our population, feel about what the heck is going on. John Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show, where there is never a dull moment. On the line with us right now, we have Reverend Sam Rodriguez. He is an evangelical Christian leader. He's uh, born to Puerto Rican parents. He's also the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. Uh, Reverend Rodriguez, I saw the latest Quinnipiac poll shows that Latinos give Biden a 24 percent approval rating. It makes me think, what about the other percentage? And then a Monmouth University poll only gives Biden a 36 percent approval rating. Do these numbers surprise you? Not whatsoever. Not one iota. Not surprised at all. Uh, the Biden administration, the policies are arguably not just anti-American, but if you're breaking this down in demographics, very anti-American, Latino, Hispanic. We are pro-life. We are. It is who we are. Pew Research. We are the most pro-life community in America. We are pro-religious liberty, pro-biblical justice. We repudiate socialism and communism since many immigrants come from totalitarian regimes. They've lived it out. Look at Venezuela. So these policies are antithetical to the Hispanic American experience. Not surprised whatsoever. Hey, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. Reverend Rodriguez, what do you make of AOC? I think she got into office because she <laughs> looks good and her, her you know, the, the last name, Ocasio-Cortez, and, you know, it was the Bronx. But in reality, she is not truly representative no. of the Latino community, at no. least nobody that I know. No, but, you know, here, here's a phrase from the South, right? Bless her heart. Bless, <laughs> bless her heart. Now, AOC, you know, I would love AOC. You know, she, she is articulate and persuasive on occasion. Uh, she seems to be a very uh, affable young lady. Uh, but her, her policies are 100 percent counterintuitive to the Hispanic American narrative in, in every aspect, in every regard. Her advancement of socialism and communism, in light of what's happening in Venezuela, Bolivia, Ecuador, Colombia now, in light of what's happening in Cuba, 
in Latin America. How can you support socialism and communism? The most vile, violent, social ideological platform in human history, resulting in millions of people dying around the world in the past 100 years. How can you support it? And then her support for late-term abortion. Find me one Latina. Please find me one who supports late-term abortion. Reverend. Find me that one. I'll give you a million dollars. So AOC does not represent the Latino experience whatsoever. Reverend, just for your information, is uh, AOC uh, supported nine assembly members uh, uh, at the primary a couple weeks ago. Seven of the nine lost the rise and fall of AOC. AOC is the reason why the Democratic Party is losing numbers in droves. Did you, I mean, all the numbers, what is it, over one million individuals just shifted parties from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party? And Latinos are supporting Biden in the low 20s because primarily of the AOC mantra. AOC is to the Democratic Party what, what this virus has been to the collective experience in America, economically speaking. No joke. She is annihilating the Democratic Party. And no one has the wherewithal to, to say, please stop. No one. No one has the courage to stop AOC. And, and the same US. way, the same way the state assembly and the state Senate, they don't have, uh, how do you say, in Brooklyn, Cuyuns, to stand <laughs> cajones, up. Cajones, cajones. Cajones. <laughs> cajones. Know like that. We know cajones. she's Spanish. She knows Spanish. You know that word, John. Against, <laughs> against the, uh, the, the socialists that are, are preaching, they're preaching to hate religion. They're preaching totally. to have uh, chaos in our streets. And they're yeah, trying they're- to ruin our country and ruin our city. And ruin our children. They're trying to indoctrinate our children in schools and bringing in the drag queens and the transgender, this or that. And I know the Latino community, even though they try to call you guys Latinx, I think that's also offensive. I know you guys aren't for the transgender situation either. Hey, 8%. 8% of Latinos like Latinx. 92% repudiated. 8%. 92% say absolutely not. You know what Latinos call a 36-year-old person talking to a 7-year-old about sex? A pedophile. pedophile. <laughs> I'm with you. Call, what what do you call that lady in Disney World that's in, in charge of uh, whatever diversity yep. that she's a, an adult woman with two children, five and six years old, and she's turning them into... Uh, like it, the transgender. They're taking transgender hormones. Transgender and Pam gender. How do you do this to a five-year-old? That, child abuse. That's child, child abuse. abuse. Seriously, it's child abuse. It's it's pedophilia. It's so wrong, and yet and yet you know main, mainstream media, the super left, the AOCs of the world, they're, they're dumbing, they're, they're doubling down on it. That's why I think this midterm election, we're going to see a massive pushback. You, we're about to see a pushback that's going to make the we Tea want, Party look. Reverend, we know, want America back. Enough indeed. with these people. I'm sick and tired of the black or white or brown. How about red, white, and blue? I know that sounds a little corny or about no, no, Republicans no, no. or Democrats. Like, it's this is not about right or left. This should be about right and wrong. And what's going on in our country, what's happening because of these Democratic socialists, these regressives, it's just wrong. Reverend, we got one minute left. What You got last word. What, do you, what, do you, what would you like to tell all America? Last word. When I was working with the Trump administration, I asked – for a, I, I proposed a crazy idea. Let's yeah. do away with the checkboxes. 
No more, are you black, white, brown, and so forth. No more of that. You're just an American. That's it. You're an American. Let's go get them. Let's bring our country back to our Judeo-Christian value system, to free enterprise, personal responsibility. Let's go back to that, to the ideas that make us exceptional indeed. It's doable. Everybody has to rise up, all of us, together. Well, thank you so much, uh, Reverend, for coming on. Uh, and uh, we'll have you on again real soon. And God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you. God bless thank you. you. Take care. And uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Dr. Mark Siegel. And what revelations in the medicine world does he have? Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. While we wait for Dr. Mark Siegel, I wanted to talk amongst ourselves a little bit. So Kamala Harris, she's she's going viral for this word salad. You know what word salad means? Is when you make absolutely no. no sense whatsoever. Take a listen to what she said recently. So sorry for what y'all have experienced and the pain, the suffering. Um, this should never have happened. We talk about it being senseless. It is senseless. It is absolutely senseless. We got to be smarter as a country in terms of. Who has access to what? And in particular, assault weapons. And um, we got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. So seriously. Seriously, I think there's something wrong with her. Uh, You know, I miss the giggles, though. Right. She's She's very good at the the giggles when she gets into a corner. Where was she born? I don't don't know. On some other planet. Y'all was a southern thing. I don't know. Dr. Mark Siegel. So here's my theory, Dr. Siegel. I know I'm a little, this is a little wacky. She, could she have, like, is there something, like, could she have been afflicted with Havana syndrome? Remember there was that scare when she was on that flight from Singapore to Vietnam and Hanai? It was like August uh, 2021. Because I feel like she's gotten progressively worse where she can't make any sense and repeats herself over and over again. I think that that's a possibility, but it could just be a deterioration that we're seeing, you know, over time. Well, Kamala Harris, though, she's not an older woman. Well, I know, but we don't, again, you know, we don't have our MRI. I always say that about the president. We don't have his MRI. Maybe what he has is catching. I said that, I said that so John would laugh, but (laughs) there's definitely an issue, uh, but there's a lot of things that can occur in younger people as well. I think, I think it's something we need a further investigation on. And there's, we're not getting any of that, by the way. We get a smoke screen out of this White House completely on anything health related. No, I I think she, she, she gets nervous and she gets tongue tied and she's not briefed properly or she doesn't maybe she doesn't pay attention to her briefings. It's all self inflicted. She just in her head it just starts to get and all jumbled. And then she up. laughs and goes <laughs> Then the nervous <laughs> laughter comes. <laughs> Why don't they give her a teleprompter you know, like they really give the smart, president? That's smart. But that well, you that's very smart. It can be stressed. The whole thing can be stressed. Cognition is t- is tied directly to emotion. She needs the cheat cue cards that they give to the president. The ones or, or, you do this, you do that. Or her husband, like Dr. Jill Biden, has to do for for President Biden, constantly telling him, "Don't forget to say God bless America." Don't Easter forget Bunny. this. No, who, or, who's at the Easter Bunny costume? Who is that? That's the Easter Bunny. You know, I I, I I was I've been Lydia. I've been debating this question about those cue cards with the president because I had to talk about that on TV, as you know. 
And I'm wondering if all presidents get it. But you know what makes me think that it's really for him only? It's the part where they say you only get to take one question. Have you seen him do that over and over and over? He takes one question and then zoom, he's off, as though the second question is going to reveal who, who he really no, is. Dr. Siegel, you're, you're correct. Having been a staff guy, every principal gets cheat sheets, you know, but, but like you said, not that specific. You not, depart. You, you this. Take one question from this person. Turn to your right. Take three steps. Step down. Step, I mean, that's too specific. And his wife having to tell him who the Easter Bunny is. And the reason I'm bringing up Kamala Harris is because I believe, like Bill O'Reilly, that Biden is not going to be able to finish out his term. He is deteriorating before our eyes. And now I'm looking at Kamala Harris and I'm like, I know we joke around that she's stupid and everything like that. But maybe there's something seriously medically wrong with her. Maybe he, he, she got he's, afflicted he's, with no, the Havana no. syndrome. Even if they have to weekend at Bernie's him, they're not getting they're not going to put her in charge. By the they'll, way, they'll take his dead corpse around. Literally, him. a sonic truck going by, shooting a high beam frequency at you, uh, leading to an inner ear problem. That's uh, that's real. It's it, real. It happened to diplomats. It it is. And CBS News 60 Minutes, they did a whole investigative piece on it. They have people that are suffering really serious cognitive issues. Their family members. And it's a serious thing. And I remember there was that scare. So I was trying to kind of figure out what's going on. Monkeypox. I know we got to switch uh, gears a little bit. Monkeypox. We've got 6,000 doses here in New York City. We're seeing the cases rise. I, I know it's prevalent, it seems, in the more so in the gay or bisexual male community. Why is that? We got to avoid the stigma of that. Boy, did we get that wrong in the 1980s, right? So that's number one. You hit the nail on the head. That's what that is, and it's in the gay population primarily. Uh, it's it's sexually transmitted or something like that. You can do ring vaccinations around people that have gotten it. Uh, we have plenty of vaccine available, by the way. Um, but you know what the problem here is? It's that we're not doing enough testing, as usual. Same as with COVID. We didn't learn a thing. The CDC, finally, LabCorp is getting involved in it now. We're going to have more and more tests. But this virus doesn't transmit as easily as COVID. It doesn't transmit if you're asymptomatic. It's not going to be the next pandemic. But once again, it shows that our public health system in the United States not set up properly under this administration. Operation Warp Speed was huge. Absolutely. Well, we're almost out of time. I want to thank you, uh, uh, Mark Siegel, for telling the American people the truth and and keeping them well. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Ed Cox, thank you for being in the studio with us. And uh, uh, Tony Carbonetti. Do we have, uh, is Judge Weinberg still online? He we, we hasn't still talked. on the line. Oh. Judge Weinberg, you haven't talked. Oh. I was listening. I was getting educated. Well, thank you so He's much. He's a Democrat. <laughs> and Linda Serrano, I thank you for being talk, here. Something's wrong. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. Thank you.